0: Hey, welcome home, everybody. I'm Jeremy Pearsons, and you are watching Legacy Television. We're glad you tuned in today. Got some amazing things from the Word of God we wanna share with you. Spend some time in worship together. But before we get there today, I wanna remind you one more time. Actually, probably not one more. I'll probably remind you a lot, but I want you to go right now, get your smartphone, get your tablet. I want you to download the Legacy Studios app. Uh, we're so excited about this app. We're excited about what uh, we're able to do with it. Our whole team's been talking about it lately, and, and really it's kind of a work in progress, work in process. We wanna be able to uh, access you. We want you to be able to access us. At Pearson's Ministries, we're very serious about making connections with you, making those lifelong relationships with you. And really we're not so interested and us, uh, you know, you identifying with us, we want you getting the Word of God in your life. That's the connection that's important. That's the thing that will change your life. And through this app, man, we can get the Word into you. Um, You need to be on a diet right now. I don't know if you've told yourself that or if anybody else has shared that with you, but the diet you need to be on is a steady diet of the Word of God coming into your life uh, on a day-in, day-out basis. Every one of us should be listening to at least one message one spoken, anointed word every day of our lives. And if, uh, if this ministers to you, if this ministry has brought life to you, then this is a great way to get the word into your life. Get the app. You can you can read issues of the Legacy Letter, articles from me and Sarah, uh, our staff, and, and images about what's going on here at Legacy Studios. You can also watch back issues, or excuse me, back broadcasts, episodes of Legacy Television. Uh, you can access our podcasts from there. Lots of other teaching uh, you can also connect with us through your giving. If you've got a testimony or a prayer request, something we can be in agreement with you on, all of it can be done right there at the app. So make sure you get that, Legacy Studio. Search your app store today, get that. And uh, let's stay in touch with each other and let's watch what God's going to do in our lives. Amen. Let's pray together. We'll get into the word today. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. And we thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving Jesus for us, giving Jesus to us. We receive him today as not only our savior, but we receive him as our healer and our provider. We receive him as the Prince of Peace and our source of strength and joy. As we come before your word today, I'm asking you that you would enable us to see Jesus more clearly than we ever have before. Give us eyes that see him. Give us ears that hear his voice. Give us hearts that understand who we are in him and who Jesus is in us. And I pray right now, everybody who's watching this broadcast all over the world, I pray that your word would go to work in their lives and do what only your word can do, which is bring change from the inside out. Give you praise for this right now in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to continue on today in our study that we've been in in Matthew chapter 13. We've been in it now for weeks trying to answer this question, why isn't this working? I've heard myself say it. You've heard yourself say it. We've heard people in the body of Christ around the world frustrated, thinking that that, that their relationship with God should be producing more than it is, or their time in the Word that should be producing more than it is. The fact is, Jesus outlined all of this for us in Matthew chapter 13 when he said, the sower sows the Word. And you know, he said it got sown four different times on four different kinds of ground, and it only worked once. That's only 25% of the time. And I don't think God is content with those numbers. I don't think your father's content with 75% of his kids not seeing the results he intended them for them to see. And that's why we've got to come back to the word and find out what did Jesus say? What, what did Jesus let us know why the, the word wasn't produced in your life the way it's able to? The answer is not sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. That's not the answer. The truth is the word is an incorruptible seed and there's nothing wrong with this seed but he identified for us several kinds of ground. When the word gets sown on it, it won't produce there, which is why we spent so much time talking about this really over the last couple of months in these broadcasts. If you missed any of it, that's why I want you to get that app. Go back, get caught up, because it all starts with eyes that see Jesus. Your faith will never be effective. It will never produce anything if it's faith in a lifeless principle, if it's faith in your own ability to, to keep some sort of written law or your own ability to, to take this step at this time, there's nothing wrong with taking steps. Hey, we walk by faith, but it's not faith in ourselves. It's not faith in what we're able to do. It's faith in what Jesus has already done. It's faith in who he is and what he wants to do in our life. And it's that confidence with eyes that see him you no, know, I'm reminded about Peter getting out of the boat that night. Jesus came walking to them on the water and Jesus said, come on. Peter said, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come on. And as soon as he got out, he started walking to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind and the waves around him, when he started getting his eyes off Jesus onto what was going on around him, that's when he began to sink. And there's Jesus telling him to come. Why isn't this working? because his eyes got off Jesus. This is why you and I have to come back and make this commitment again, that we look at Jesus. We behold him. We set our eyes on him. And when the pressure is at its greatest and the storm is going on around you, that's the most important time for you to go somewhere, get quiet and get your eyes off all that stuff and get your eyes on Jesus. That's what really this entire parable is about. It gets into the different kinds of grounds. We've talked about Those who heard the word and didn't understand it or didn't value it, Satan comes immediately and steals it. When you don't protect something that's valuable and precious, it can be stolen. When you leave bars of gold on the front yard, they might not be there in the morning. (laughs) Why? Because it's valuable and that's not a safe place for it. And Jesus is saying the same thing is true here. When you hear the word and don't value it, don't honor it, there you sit with symptoms in your body and somebody tells you by his stripes you're healed. If you don't value that word above the symptoms or above the diagnosis, it will be stolen from you and it won't work for you. That's why Jesus went into his own hometown and couldn't do any mighty works because there was no honor for him there. There was no honor for the word there. When you put value on the word of God and honor his word, that means to give him the first word, last word, and every word in between. That means to make his word first place in your life. When you value it, then it can go to work for you. And then Jesus went on from there to talk about the one who received the word on stony ground. That's a shallow layer of earth with hard stone beneath it. And they heard the word and they received it with joy, shouted amen, said, that's a good word, said, preach on preacher. But they didn't endure, why? Because they didn't have a root. There was nothing taking root in them. And because of the persecution and the tribulation that arose for the word's sake, they were made to stumble or they were offended, separated. And when, they're, when that plant is separated from uh, the seed or from the root, you understand what he's saying here. When there, whenever there's separation, there can be no life. That's why Jesus said, you've got to abide in me and let my words abide in you the same way the branch abides in the vine because that branch broken off, laying out in the middle of the street. You have never once seen a fully ripened orange hanging on a branch laying in the middle of the road. Why? Because there was no life going to it that produced that fruit. And Jesus said, you won't bear any fruit or for the sake of our conversation, it won't work for you. It won't work for you unless there's that constant flow of life abiding in Jesus, letting nothing separate you from him, letting nothing separate you from the life that's in his word. But he said where there's no root, you'll only endure for a while. And what is that root? We found in Ephesians chapter three that we are to be rooted in the love of God. Man, when you know how much you're loved, you're persuaded of how much you're loved. Come hell, come high water, come persecution, come tribulation, you can stand there and say, bring it on. My father loves me and I cannot fail because love does not fail. He does not change. He will not quit. He cannot fail. And it's him and his love in me that keeps me from failing. What Jesus is saying to us there, he's saying that you can be sustained all the way through what you see out here by the strength of what you can't see. That's what the root is. It's the strongest part that plant, that tree, and you'll never even see it. You're sustained, not by what you can see, by what you can't see. And it's this inward man that's being renewed day by day by day, being anchored in the love of God. The word will work for you if you'll take time to deepen your roots, strengthen your anchor in how much God really loves you. Jesus said, God so loves you that He gave you His only begotten Son. You know, that should tell you something about what you're worth in the eyes of God. You know, you go into a store and you buy something. Whether or not that thing was really worth the price you paid, in the moment that you paid the price, it became worth it. If to nobody else but you, it's worth it. Why? Because the price that's paid for something is what determines that thing's value. And there was a price that was paid for you. The New Testament tells us that we were bought with a price. And what was the price? It was Jesus. God so loved you that he gave you Jesus. He, he gave, God paid, when he gave you Jesus, he Paid with the only thing that actually cost him something. Jesus was the only thing God had just one of. And that's what he gave for you. That should tell you something about how much he loves you. See what happens when you just meditate in that for a moment? See what happens to your faith? You sit, you sit there and go, yeah, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. You're like that guy out in the middle of a field who's pulled a daisy and he's just pulling one petal off at a time. Only with this, it's never he loves me not. With God, it's always he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. me. And you can pull every petal off every flower in every field in the whole world. And it will never be he loves you not. He always loves you. Why is it so important to be rooted in this? Because this is how your faith works. Faith works by love, or I would say it to you like this, faith works when you know how much you're loved. When you know how much you're loved, you're good ground. When you value the word, you're good ground. When you have eyes that see Jesus, you are good ground that can produce results and bear fruit. Let's go on in this today in the moments that we have left in this broadcast. Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. He said, now he who received seed among the thorns. So we've got another kind of ground here. He who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. So again, everybody heard the word. Everybody heard the word. It's he who hears the word and the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches, other accounts of this in Mark chapter four, Luke chapter eight, say the lust of other things. When these things enter in, that's what Mark chapter four says, when the cares of this world enter in, what do they do? They choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. So again, Jesus has painted a picture here of several different kinds of ground. And if you were to stop after the first three, you might be tempted to think there's something wrong with this seed. But the moment you get to that fourth ground, the good ground, and it actually reproduces some 30, some 60, some 100 fold, you know right then and there, nothing wrong with this seed. So now you've got to go back and look at the kind of ground it got planted in. And in this instance, Jesus is talking about seed that got sown among thorns. Seed that got sown among thorns. Now, when he first told the parable, he said that in uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse seven, some, some of the seed fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them. So now identify what the thorns are that he's saying is choking the word of God in your life. Man, if something gets choked, what's happening? All that life source is being cut off. So identify what's trying to choke the word of God in your life, the word that you've heard, the word that you're hearing right now. Many of you listening to this, you are faithful churchgoers. You're hearing the word on a weekly basis. So what's trying to keep that word from, previ- uh, from, from bearing fruit in your life? He said, these are the thorns. The thorns, Jesus identified, were the cares of this life. He said, the deceitfulness of riches. And again, in other places in the gospels, it's the lust, the pressure, the desire, the covetousness for other things, anything else. Cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lust for other things. Jesus identified these things as thorns. And again, the thorns spring up and they try to choke whatever's growing around it. They rob it of the the light that it needs to grow. They rob it of the the water that it needs to be sustained. I remember calling a friend of mine one time, years ago when I first started studying some of these things right out of Matthew chapter 13, I called this this friend of mine, a little older than me, but from the time this guy was in high school, he started his own landscaping business. So by this time, I mean, he'd been landscaping maybe 20 years or more. And uh, I called him to, to ask him about some of these kinds of ground and, and to get maybe a deeper picture here. And I said, man, tell me about thorns. What, what's the deal with thorns? I mean, where do thorns come from? Because I'm thinking nobody goes out and buys thorn seed. Nobody's planting thorns and yet they're everywhere. He said, man, it's so interesting that you're calling me right now. And this is why we were on the phone. He said, I'm out here walking a piece of uh, ground. He had moved into uh, real estate and was checking out some some ground, some farm land that he was looking to list. And he's out, he said, I'm out here just walking this ground right now. He said, everywhere I'm walking, there's just thorns and thistles and all this stuff over it, all over the land. I said, man, where do those come from? And he said, you know what? The earth just doesn't. They just grow. Nobody has to plant it. Nobody would plant it. They just grow. They're just in the way. They're just there. Man, I got to thinking about that. How does that translate to what Jesus is saying and identifying as a thorn in your life? Take, for example, the cares of this world. What is that? That's you saying to yourself over and over and over, what am I going to do? That's stress, that's anxiety. Here's a big one. It's worry. It's you living in a constant state of worry saying to yourself, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? The deceitfulness of riches. In other words, how am I going to make a living? I have to make a living. And when you do make one, how can I make more? The lust of other things, how can I get my hands on that? The reason I'm drawing your attention to this is because it's so focused on you. It's so focused on you and what you can do to make something happen. What you can do in your own strength, by your own effort, in your own ability to try to make something happen in your life. What am I going to do? That's worry. Listen to this out of a first Peter chapter five. Listen to what God says about this. In chapter five of first Peter verse five, he says, God resists the humble, but gives, or excuse me, I said it wrong. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse six, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. That makes sense, right? I mean, if you're going to get the grace of God, you're going to have to humble yourself. The opposite of pride is humility. Verse seven, here's how you do it. You've got the what to do, which is humble yourself. You've got the why to do it, because God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Now here's how you do it. Verse seven, casting all your cares on Him, for He cares for you. See, I think we've known maybe in a limited way about pride, about humility, Uh, We've known that God is not a fan of pride. As a matter of fact, in other places in the scripture, we find out it's on a short list of things he actually hates. He hates pride. He wants nothing to do with it. He resists it. Other translations say that he arrays himself in battle against the proud. You don't even have to know what all that means to know you don't want that. You do not want God arrayed in battle against you. But that's the stance he takes against pride. So of course we want to be humble. Of course we want to humble ourselves. But how do we do that? According to that verse in 1 Peter, here's how you do it. By casting all your cares onto him because he cares for you. So let me ask you this question, boys and girls. Let me ask you this. If casting your care is humility, then what is carrying your care? It's pride. It's p. R-I-D-E, pride. To carry your own care through this life, to ask yourself day in, day out, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? How am I going to fix it? What are we going to do about this? How am I going to make a living? And that is all that pressure back on you, your labor, your toil. What am I going to do about this? You don't realize it, but it's pride. It's pride because pride, I always say it like this, pride has a motto. The motto of pride is simply this, I got this, I got this. Somebody comes to you, sees you're working hard, they want to help you, and you respond, I got this, I got this, there they are, able, hands free, and they may even be better at what you're doing than you are, but pride resists that help and says, I've got this. Well, how much more so? Has God made himself available to us through his word, in his son, by the help of his Holy Spirit? And for you and I to live day after day saying, I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this. It's pride. It's the opposite of humility. And you get zero grace. All the grace you need to get out of the problem you're in, none of it is found in you searching your own brain for the answer. The grace you need is in humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God, saying, Father, I cast all my care onto you. The word of God cannot go to work in the life of somebody that thinks it's in their own strength to meet their own need. God, we'll get into this in the next broadcast, but God will not share his power and His grace with the same ground as you trying to earn it. He can't do it. He won't do it. So to get what you need and to see the word work in your life like it can requires you to be good ground. What is good ground? Free of thorns. free of cares, free of all that pressure. I cast all the care onto you because I know how much you care for me.